0: Father, thank you for this opportunity we have to be partners together. Our hearts are open. Our ears are open. Our minds are open. We're just ready and open to receive the Word of God today. Thank you for challenging us. Thank you for loving us so much that you refuse to let us stay the way we are. You're always wanting us to grow and to change and be better. And we'll give you all the honor and all the glory and praise. Everybody said a big amen today. God bless you. You know, as our nation faces this explosive anger, unprecedented division, and exhausting political rhetoric, you know, I'm so grateful that we can look to God's word to find some clear answers. Last week, we started a brand new series entitled Love Thy Neighbor. And last week, we asked answered the question, who is my neighbor? I want you to remember if you haven't Gone back and listened to that and watched that message yet? Remember that anytime we limit the word neighbor to a group smaller than everyone, we have totally missed the words of Jesus and we're not getting it, his command and his admonition to us to love our neighbor. Now, today, I want to talk to you about loving one another, the command of love. Let's go to our big takeaway. Let's get started on this message because I believe it's going to uh, help you in an enormous way today. It says this, love must be more than a feeling, a theory or a word. It has to be an action, an action that challenges us to love others like we have never loved others before. Let's unpack that because I believe it's going to help you and and really focuses us on the truth of Jesus' command today. Our key verse today is found in John 13, 34 through 35. But before I get to those verses, I want to give you some context because it's important that you understand what's going on in the midst of Jesus giving this very important command his disciples. It was the night before Jesus would die on the cross and uh, Jesus and his disciples entered an upper room for a very important meal. It was the annual celebration of the Passover meal. Now these Jewish men have experienced this meal over and over again. Uh, This is their lifestyle. Every one of them has wonderful deep uh, emotional memories of times of celebration with their own family. So this is a very special evening. But this particular evening is very different. The joyful memories are now being overshadowed by the pressure of feelings. As Jesus and His disciples are in the upper room and in the air, it's filled with strife, doubt, and confusion. The disciples are fighting as even as they're walking in. Who's the greatest among us? Jesus has told His disciples that um, he will soon die. That confuses them and it brings tension in the air. To add to that tension, Jesus tells his disciples that one of his very own disciples will betray him. It's a night of awkward glances and hushed conversations and stubborn hearts. In the midst of all this human picture, Jesus begins to talk about something new. He shows his followers a new meaning of the very traditional elements of the Passover meal, the bread and the wine. He tells them the bread is gonna represent his broken body that will be broken for them. And the wine will represent how the, his blood will be shed for them. And he speaks to them as a, understanding the promise that will benefit every member of the human race that will be sealed By the blood of Jesus. As if that wasn't enough. In the midst of this emotional environment, Jesus gives his disciples a new command. It's found in John 13, 34 and 35, and it reads like this: A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's a powerful, powerful command. And I believe it's going to be one that will help us and, and, and focus us on what we need to understand for the day that we're living in right now. Jesus points uh, to the, the first and the second commandment. and We've already discussed that last week. And now he gives us a new commandment, but all three center around relationships. The first commandment, centers on our relationship with God. The second centers on our relationship with our neighbor. And the new commandment centers on our relationship with one another. Each still about the importance of relationship. Each about the priority that we must make on relationships. And that we settled this last week to, and remind you that it's so right there in our face today about our relationships and how Jesus prioritizes relationships. Let's unpack verse 34 so we can better understand the words of Jesus. Here again in verse 34, it says this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. There are four truths I want to give you today. Four truths that will help you understand this verse. Let's break it down. Number one is the word new, new. Now you understand something, the the command to love one another is technically not a new commandment. It's already been mandated and, and, and declared throughout the entire Old Testament. But the newness of Jesus' command pertains to the new kind of love that Christians have for one another because they've experienced the love of Christ. The Bible tells us that the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So for the follower of Christ, the the love of God in our heart should change us. At least it should. It's also new because now we have Jesus as our pattern and example. The way He loves sets a whole new standard of measurement. One that absolutely seems Unreachable. The second word that I want you to understand is the word command. The word command. Notice what Jesus said, a new command I give you. A new what? Command. What's a command? Command actually is a military term and the best way to to describe and define the word command is an order. This was never intended to be a suggestion. Never. Not at all. Did he say, try to do this? No. When you get around to it? No. When you feel like it? No. I've got something I want to bounce off of you to see if you you might want to try it. Absolutely not. So right off the bat, we need to get it straight. This is a commandment. And it's a commandment from the head of the church, Jesus Christ himself. Wow. Don't water it down to somehow make this less important or to somehow fit where you are in your love walk. This is from the captain of our salvation and he gives us an order and he expects us to carry it out. This is not a choice. It's not an option. It's not a suggestion. So since it's an order from the head of the church, it be, should be something that's always on our mind. In the morning... I need to keep this order. Throughout the day, I need to keep this order. In the evening, I need to keep this order. When I'm angry and frustrated, I need to keep this order. When the subject of politics come up, I need to keep this order. Oh, come on, somebody shout me down now. Give me some little emojis there on on the chat section because how true is this that no matter what's going on, no matter what we're dealing with, when we understand the command, We understand that we keep it in order and that we keep it ever before us no matter what situation is going on in our lives. And then I need to think about it. How did I do today? Did I do a good job following my orders? That's so important that we take inventory of His order. And the third phrase that I want you to understand is number three, the phrase one another. One another. Who is Jesus speaking here when he declares one another? Well, it's obvious that he's talking to his disciples when he gave this command. Disciples who were, listen, very different from each other. And at the time he gave the command, they were in strife and full of pride. How would they understand it? Well, they would understand this command to love to be those that were there, right? It would be Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, and Thomas, etc. In essence, he's saying, Peter, you need to love John, and John, whether you like it or not, you need to love Peter, and James, you need to love Bartholomew, and whether you like it or not, uh, Bartholomew, you need to love James. And you get the point. The one thing they had in common was that they were followers of Jesus. When Jesus says one another, he's talking about loving other people who have committed themselves to following Christ. So how are we doing? Loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. I tell you, by some of the things I've been reading, I don't think we're doing a very good job loving each other. It shouldn't be so hard for us to love each other. Now understand, we already declared this is new because of the love of God in us. Jesus is our pattern, right? Number two, it's a command. It was never meant to be an option or a suggestion, something that should be on our mind on a regular basis. And we're to love one another. He's talking to believers, followers of Christ who are very different, right? Who have a different approach to life and have a lot of different opinions. And he's telling us this is not a suggestion, it's an order, and then number four, the last phrase, as I, as I. Man, that's so important. You may say, okay, love other Christians? I think I could do that. But then comes these two little words that carry this seemingly insurmountable challenge, as I. Wow. Jesus commands you to love others As he loves you. We're challenged to love as Jesus loved. When Jesus talked about love, he didn't say, I want you to love the best you can. He said, I want you to love as I have loved you. It's like someone trying to jump across the Grand Canyon. Me love Jesus? Me love as Jesus loved? Are you kidding? How in the world can I do that? Of course, that's what you're thinking. It's what I'm thinking, right? How can we do this? Jesus didn't give us do the best you can challenge. He said, do more than you possibly could challenge. If you're thinking, like I'm sure you are, these are wonderful words, but there's no way I'm going to be able to love like Jesus loved. That's a good thing because God has you right where He wants you. Think about it. Recognizing the reality that you don't have the power to act like in this kind of love is really the first step to discovering how to do this. In ourselves, there's no way we can do this. In our human ability, there's no way I'm going to be able to love like Jesus loved. In the midst of all the pressure, tension, craziness, there's no way. How do I step up that far to love like Jesus loved On my own. Well, I can't on my own. Jesus gave us this seemingly impossible challenge not to discourage us, but to lead us to find the power and ability to love others in Him. If I'm going to love as Jesus loved, I need the power and the ability that only Jesus can give. Wow. That's so powerful. And now we begin to understand what in the world is Jesus trying to get across to us? How is he trying to help us, knowing that we are going through what we're going through, whether it's the first century church or the 21st century church? Our temptation is to want to change this as I principle into love at least as good as those that love around me somehow we feel a lot more comfortable comparing ourselves to others than to take the time to compare ourselves to Jesus. Well, it's easy to say, well, I'm doing a better job loving than that person is online or that person who's gone off. It's easy to let that be our standard. When comparing ourselves to other people, we actually think we can reach this goal of loving others in our own power. But when Jesus becomes the standard, listen very carefully, it is immediately obvious that we need something different. It's immediately obvious that we need a new relationship and we need to tap into a power that we don't have in our human ability to be able to love as he does. Jesus was fond of giving this kind of challenges, challenges that, that invites the followers of Christ to, to say, "Man, I, I don't know if I can do this." And he enjoys kind of throwing down the gauntlet to say, "If you're going to follow me, this is how we're going to do things." Jesus gave us one such challenge when we know that this question was asked, how many times do I have to forgive?" Well, Jesus is teaching in Capernaum, a small town uh, near the Sea of Galilee, and he is talking to his followers that day about many things, and the subject of forgiving your brother comes up. After the teaching is done, Peter takes Jesus aside and asks him this question. Peter knew that the many of the teachers of that day were saying that, you know, the maximum way the maximum times you have to forgive is three times. So I'm sure that as Peter asks this question, he has this in the back of his mind. And with probably a desire to impress, Peter says to Jesus, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Behind these words, I'm sure he's thinking, man, I'm, I'm really going to get praise right now. I'm really going to get the accolades of Jesus because I'm just going off the hook here. Everyone else is saying three, but how about seven, Jesus? Something in Peter really is anticipating a very different answer than he gets from Jesus. Jesus' response, I'm sure, had to floor Peter. I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. It's as though Peter said, hey, let's set this, uh, uh, this bar to jump over. Uh, let's set it at seven feet. And Jesus said, hey, try seven miles. That's how it feels like. Why would Jesus do this? It seems like his answer would only discourage Peter. The answer of why Jesus did what he did might surprise you. But Jesus set the bar so high on both loving and loving, and forgiving others, so that the only way it could be reached was by living and thinking in an entirely new way. So very carefully, Christianity is not trying harder. Christianity is trusting Jesus. We have this attitude, I'll just try harder next time. And I'm all for trying harder. But we can try harder and try harder and try harder and never get to where we need to be. Until we finally get to the place to understand that Christianity is about trusting Jesus. Trusting Jesus. See, the greatest difficulties of life offer us our greatest opportunities to trust. When you go through the worst times of your life and you want to give up, the lesson there is how much can I trust Jesus in the midst of my difficulties? Trust is such an important part of your growth in God, learning how to trust Him, learning to trust that He's a good God, that He's a fair God, that He has your best intention in mind, that He has the big picture in mind, and He knows the beginning from the end, and He's always been in your tomorrow. Trust is the key. And so Christianity is not about working harder. It's totally about learning how to trust Jesus. Proverbs 3.5 is a great verse of Scripture. It says, Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on Him to guide you, and He will lead you into every decision you make. Man, that's so good. Make no mistake, this is not a passive trust sitting around waiting on God. This is a real trust. Involves your whole heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Listen, trust that stretches and enlarges your capacity. That's what trust does. And that's what God is saying to His disciples and saying to every follower of Christ. I want to stretch and enlarge your capacity. I want to get you beyond where you think you are comparing yourself to other people. You need to compare yourself to me as a follower of Christ. Now, I'm not suggesting that I'm there all the time. I'm not suggesting that at all because I'm not. But I'm definitely praying and asking the Lord to stretch and enlarge my capacity to trust Him more. To trust the Lord, what? Completely. And do not rely on your own opinions. I don't want to rely on my own opinions, right? With all my heart, relying on Him to guide me and He will lead me in every decision I make. Trust. Trust is one of the key areas to keep the growing going in your life. John 13:34. Now let's add 35. It says, "A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another." Man, the challenge already in verse 34. Now he asked to add verse 35 that as the goodest job I do in verse 34 will depend upon what happens in verse 35. See, this is the evidence that we are real Christians. It's not how often we go to church. It's not how often we pray in the Spirit. It's not how often we, we read our Bibles or whether we carry our Bibles. It's, it's not how many scriptures we're able to quote. And it's not about the number of times that we call out other people's sin And listen, it's not even about who we vote for. Jesus said that our Christ-like love, the way we love each other, will show that we are His disciples. We have a list of things that we say that this surely must mean that I'm a Christian. This surely must mean that I'm a follower of Christ. And oftentimes our list comes up wanting. Do people see Petty bickering and jealousy and division among us. See, it only encourages those outside of the church to write us off as as hypocrites. and It only creates a greater divide, not only between those in the church and outside the church. It creates a great divide inside the church where there should be no division. I should be practicing on you and you should be practicing on me. And we should be growing and learning and and realizing that the, the only way we're going to help the world is if we get it together here in the church. That's the standard Jesus says. Or do we have their attention because they know we are Jesus followers by how we love one another. Love is more than simple warm feelings. It's an attitude that reveals itself in action. How can we love others as Jesus loves us? Here's a few suggestions. Going the extra mile when it's not convenient. Giving when it's challenging. Refusing to judge someone without knowing what's in their heart. By resisting the temptation to say hateful words in the heat of the moment. And by absorbing hurts from others without complaining or fighting back. Wow, that's only a little short list. But think about this. Here's how Jesus said it on the Sermon on the Mount. We can give our list of things and you can give your list and I can add my list. But listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 43 and 44. He says, "'You have heard that it was said, "'You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy.'" But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who despitefully use and persecute you. My goodness. See those yellow words? Love, bless, do good, and pray. That's the standard. That's the standard He gives us. And that's the standard and throughout the Beatitudes. He's helping us to understand the truth of God's word. And how do we love others like Jesus love us? Love, bless, do good, and pray. Whatever we face, I'm not going to go through a list of things, but whatever it is that we're dealing with, whatever it is you're dealing with right now, whatever it is you're tempted to do or where you've been off or where you need to grow and where we all need to be better, we need to what? Love. Bless, do good, and pray. You might be thinking, this kind of loving is hard. And you know what? You'd be right. That is why the world takes notice of it. The world takes notice of what we do that's difficult. It's easy to do other things and love somebody who's lovable back to us. But the world takes notice why? Because they even know. This is hard to do. I highly recommend this simple prayer. When I find myself in a situation like this, this simple little prayer always seems to rise up in my heart. And it's a prayer that I seem like I've prayed more often of of recent. It's a simple prayer and says this, Father, I don't have the strength to do this on my own. I'm trusting in your strength to enable me to believe and think and say and do the right thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Wouldn't that prayer, that simple prayer, make a big difference in our lives? Admitting, I don't have the strength to do this. I don't have the ability in myself to do this. But I'm trusting where? Again, that word trust in His strength and believing that He will help me in what I think, say, do, and make it right. That's the good news. That's of, of God's love for us. And not only is, is this an all encompassing command that it, what, it brings the unbeliever to Christ, but it also keeps believers strong and united in the world that's hostile towards God. We need to be united. We need to be one force. We're supposed to be an army. We're not supposed to be so divided by so many different things. We can have a list of things that divides us. But what this is supposed to loving each other and, and making sure that as I practice on you and you practice on me, this what? It buoys our faith, keeps us strong, and helps us understand who we are to be in a very hostile world towards God. What is the evidence to the world that you really are one of his? That you obey the order and you keep the command that we love each other as he has loved us. John 15 says this, verses 8 through 10. This is my father, this is to my father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. What I want to bring out of these verses is that word remain. Love is something we need to stay in, take up residence in, daily hang out in. Every day, every night, not just visiting love when we feel like it, not just um, participating in love when somebody treats us kindly, right? We are to live here. We're to hang out here. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is what believers do. This is the standard that we have so lowered that we have to raise up our standard again and do this God's way. Jesus is trying to get our attention through his word today to say, come on, church, raise up the standard, raise up our measurements of how well we're doing. Because if we let each other be our measurement, we're not doing very well. But if we let God's word be our measurement, we have a goal, we have something to reach out for, we have a higher level of of." of, measurement and we can put our trust in God and say "I we can do this by his power and by his spirit let me close with this final example the only bird that will peck at an eagle is a crow the nerve of that crow he will sit on that eagle's back and bite his neck now Think about this, the eagle doesn't respond or fight against the crow. In fact, the eagle doesn't even give it time or energy. You know what the eagle does? The eagle puts out its wings, does one little push with his wings and up he flies. And higher and higher he goes in the sky. So high that it now begins to be difficult for the crow to breathe. So it goes a little bit higher until now the crow runs out of oxygen and has to fall off. My encouragement for you today is don't give crows one minute of your time and energy. Just keep soaring and reaching for heights where all a crow can do is watch and wish they could go where you're going. People who won't grow can't go where you will go. All they can do is criticize and, and be jealous and hopefully one day get inspired by your example. Outgrow your enemies, outwork your enemies, outgive your enemies, and outlove your enemies. Ultimately, the life you will live will give an example for others to follow if they so decide to stop biting like a crow and start living like an eagle. Are you a crow or are you an eagle? If we're eagles, then we better start soaring like we're one and stop giving so much attention to all the bickering and biting and craziness that's going on. We're followers of Christ. Let's take on the challenge, this love challenge, and to love one another and put our trust in Christ, And when we do, we will never be disappointed because we then can begin to practice loving one another as Jesus has loved us. What was our big takeaway? Love must be more than a feeling, a theory, a word. It has to be an action, an action that challenges us to love others like we have never been loved before. Let's take on the action. Let's take on the challenge. Let's step up. Let's be the church, the mighty, mighty church that knows how to love and knows how to do last days God's way. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this challenge today. Oh my goodness, this stretches us. This gets us out of our comfort zone, no doubt. But I thank you, Father, that that your word is alive and active. Your word, Father God, sets a measurement for us. It helps us to look above the the clouds and the tension and the smoke and the fog that's all around us and to look higher and not be caught down here, Lord, in all this mess. I ask you, Father God, that as we as believers take on this challenge to love as you love us, I pray, Father God, that our trust in you will grow. And our realization that we can't do this without your power and without your spirit and without your ability. And we thank you, Father God, as we practice and work at this, we are going to get much better at loving each other so the world will take notice and know who we belong to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. I pray that this message helped you. And if you're in a place today where... You don't have this love living in your heart. See, the day you give your life to Christ, I read the verse today, the Spirit of God, right? The Holy Spirit pours out His love in our hearts. We can't live without that love. You need Jesus today. And I want to pray for you who don't know Him, or you who have put uh, the things of God on on the side, and you need to come back to Jesus. And I pray today that through this prayer, you'll do exactly that. Let me pray for you. Pray this after me, please. Father, in Jesus' name, here's my heart. I need you, Jesus. Forgive me from my sin. I declare you as my Lord. And I receive by faith salvation, forgiveness, eternal life. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sure I do love you today. God bless you. Please continue chatting. Please connect with those that are online right now because we have more information, more details that we'd love to give to you to help you take that next step in Christ. You have a great day. God bless you.